Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy, C-I-Z-Z-Y, or Collis, as some of you guys may know me. This is episode nine of season three of the Culture Talks podcast. I'm excited because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Once again, I've came in the clutch and I've I've brought in a guest on that is first off dope. Now I only I only am familiar with um this young lady um through uh Instagram from following her a, a, a few years ago and then I came across her page again recently and then I was like, "Oh wow, that would be dope to have her on the podcast to talk about what she does and just share some of the knowledge she has." Um so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and introduce our new guests. So go ahead and let the let the people know who you are. Hey everyone, my name is Kiana Loomis. Um I'm a a fitness coach, a personal trainer, nutrition coach, and I run and own my own business. I train clients both online and in person with a variety of goals from physique to performance to just overall better lifestyle and sort of am overall dedicated towards my business and helping people live a better life overall. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for coming on to the Culture Talks podcast today. Thank you for agreeing, first and foremost. You know, I know I know people are, quote unquote, less busy during this time, but I know people are trying to find ways to keep hustling. So so right. speaking of that, how are you handling this pandemic? What's what's this situation looking like for you and your world? Um, yeah, talk about that a little bit. You know, I think I can speak for everyone when I say it's been interesting. No doubt. Um, just a lot of obstacles that I think nobody has ever really had to overcome before. So, uh, there's no blueprint and there's no way to know what to do kind of before it happens. So it's kind of just been a day by day thing. And I think that's kind of been the case for everyone in a lot of different businesses for myself. It's been a huge, uh, shift in not seeing in-person clients as far as my business goes. Um, so I'm doing everything online at this point. I have, I'm still taking care of my in-person clients via online programs. And then I also have other remote online clients, but it's definitely a big change for me to not have somewhere to show up every day, to not have clients to see every day. That's something I'm very used to. So it's been interesting to adjust. (laughs) So how exactly did you like have that conversation with clients, like your specifically your specific in-person clients. How did you like have that transition conversation? Like, yo, are you interested in still uh, training with me via online or was it just kind of a natural shift over and they kind of just expected you to train them via online? Um, It varies from client to client. So everyone's a little bit different in uh, their goals and what they want and things like that. Most of my in-person clients have transferred to online clients for the time being, I assume they will go back to in-person clients once we get things up and rolling again. But it was kind of just me saying, hey, the gym that I train clients out of is going to have to be shut down per governor's ordinance. Um, but I'd love to keep you on track and make sure that we don't have we don't let this be a big setback in you and your goals because of the progress that we have made thus far. I don't want to see that go away. So I would be able to get you set up with an online at home training program, working with whatever you have available to you. And most of them were like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Because they're already, they were, had already planned on spending that, investing that time and that money in training anyways. So they usually figure why not? Well, that's beautiful to hear. I was worried about like, uh, I was worried about a lot of my personal trainer friends. This, I was just like, hmm, I'm, I'm wondering how, especially the ones that have no online like had no online clients prior and we're just doing in-person training. I was like, I wonder how they're going to transition and how their clients are going to transition. So I'm glad to hear at least one, one somewhat positive story behind it. So that's, that's awesome. Let's, let's double back a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your early history. Where did you grow up? Um, what, what state, what was that like? What was that environment like? How did it shape you? So I am from and I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. I love Oregon. It's beautiful. It's uh, very granola, for lack of better terms, <laughs> at least in Eugene. Um, and I, I feel like it did shape me in a way to be 
more down to earth, um, kind of just easygoing with a lot of things. Of course, there's some things not so much, but um, I grew up actually not when I was growing up, I wasn't really into fitness or sports or anything like that. I tried, attempted a bunch of sports in grade school, high school, things like that. And nothing ever really stuck. I did play volleyball for a few years, but I didn't completely go super competitive and fall in love with it. Uh, and everything I tried, I just kind of like felt like I wasn't very good at. I didn't really enjoy it. And then once I did grow up a little bit more and started to kind of venture out on my own, I fell a lot more in love with things that kept me active that weren't necessarily team sports. So yoga was a big thing for me, kind of my introduction into the fitness world. And then I soon after fell in love with lifting weights and my own time in the gym. Um, and that obviously, or not obviously, I guess for a lot of people, but yoga is actually very big in the town that I'm from. There's a lot of, uh, that sort of religion and tradition. And that's kind of a really big thing. And so I think that did help shape how I felt about that kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, going, just getting a lot more into that. I discovered, Hey, I actually like this. I just like when it's more of a journey of self exploration, as opposed to trying to like beat this other team and, uh, be against someone. No, I like that. I like that. Would you say that like, Okay, so personally, I've been I haven't been to Eugene, Oregon, but I've been to Portland, and then I've been to like parts of like uh, Washington that border that border Oregon. So I've been to White Salmon and um, a couple other places in Washington, small towns. My 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 perception when I'm there is like it's super duper peaceful. So right. do you, did you feel like that growing up, or was it like wild and it just seems peaceful from the outside, like from outsiders coming in? No, I think uh, relatively in comparison to a lot of other places, it is, that's very much the vibe. It's very peaceful down to earth. Um, that being said, of course, you're growing up, you're in high school, you're going to parties, you're doing whatever you do. There's some very not peaceful times, right, of course. <laughs> but overall, the general layout and vibe is very much peaceful. And then Eugene is, is a very similar vibe to Portland um, and parts of Washington. I think they're all that whole Northwest region is very similar. I would say Eugene is a, just a bit more, uh, a smaller scale than Portland. It's not as big of a city. There's not as, um, as not as many like high rise buildings. There's not like a, a pop in hub, like downtown area. It's pretty much the same vibe as Portland, just smaller on a smaller scale. Okay. All right. And right now you're, you're currently in San Diego. Is that correct? I am in San Diego, California. So when did that transition from uh, from Oregon to California happen? And what was kind of like the inspiration behind that move? So I've actually only lived in San Diego for coming up on two years here. Uh, and it kind of, the move was not really inspired by anything other than me feeling like I needed to get out get out of the same place that I was from. There's a lot of great aspects to it, but there was a lot of things that uh, were leaving me kind of wanting more. Um, one of the biggest things was actually the weather. It's very Oregon and Washington, very similar climate. It rains a lot. It's cloudy. It's gray. It's gloomy. And that is just so not me. So not what I like. I want to be in the sun all the time, all day, every day. <laughs> so that is one of the, the things one of the reasons why San Diego is where I chose, but I kind of just got to a point where I was like, you know what, if, if I don't just get up and go, there's nothing that's going to pull me in or no perfect opportunity that's ever going to push me out of this bubble. I need to just, it's now or never. And so I kind of just up and decided to go. Was there like some positive or negative, like, uh, what, what could you call it? feelings of growth or things that you could like uh, specifically identify that, that, yeah, let's talk about like growth specifically identify any growth that happened from you making that move from you making that decision or some of the challenges you had when you were first trying to, you know, get settled in San Diego, were there any specific things you can identify that, you know, you think that challenge or, or that, or that move helped you develop a certain quality or things of that nature? 
Absolutely. So a big part of the reason that I moved in general was just because I was feeling kind of stuck with where I was at. Um, I was doing the same thing as I'm doing now. I was a personal trainer. I ran my own business. I was training clients. Um, I did virtually only in-person training, very, very little online training when I was in Oregon. When I moved to San Diego, I did take on a lot more online clients and start getting a little bit more into that realm. But I did feel sort of like I was outgrowing where I was in Oregon and I was kind of yearning for something more and I was doing well in my career and my business and things like that. Uh, but I knew that I could maybe do better. And there was maybe some, some parts of my potential that I wasn't unlocking by just staying where I was at. And so that's another thing that kind of sparked and initiated the move for me was just feeling like I needed change and something to inspire more growth and allow me to reach a higher potential. And then, um, I think anytime you move to a, a very different place that's far away from wherever you were before, you are going to experience some hurdles and some challenges. So I did have quite a few of those upon just moving down here, everything from just not ha not knowing anyone down here. So I didn't have like a, a big group down here. I didn't, I literally didn't know anyone when I came down here wow. I just up and left. And so obviously that's very different moving from, where all my friends were, all my family was to somewhere where I didn't know anyone. So one of my, one of the biggest hurdles to overcome was just that social aspect and figuring out, okay, where am I going to meet people? How is this going to work out? Trying to find my niche and my people and that kind of thing. But, um, San Diego has a lot of very friendly people and I do my best always to get out there and network with a lot of people, um, not only for business purposes, but I mean, you never know what just networking and meeting new people is going to bring into your life, whether in a business aspect or a personal aspect or otherwise. So I always try to get out and do things and be a part of things. And that's led pretty quickly to me being able to kind of branch out and have a pretty good crew here in San Diego. Um, and then there was other challenges as well, of course, just adjusting to a totally different climate, a totally different way of life, uh, trying to re kind of restructure and reconfigure my business. Cause obviously if all my clients were in person before moving to a new place, I don't have any of those mm -hmm. clients. Anymore. Right. That is kind of where I started with the online training because a lot of my clients back in Oregon were like, Oh no, we want to stay with you. And I was like, okay, well I could train you online. And so that was sort of my first venture into the online training and then kind of went from there. Man. So you talk about, you talked about how you weren't super into sports um, or anything at, at first when you were, when you were younger. So what, it, was there anything specifically, I mean, you did share um, and it could, it could be the one thing. Cause I know that's kind of what it was for me, but um, was there any specific person or moment that like really got you into yoga or really got you into um, venturing into strength training or anything of that nature? Or was it like you said, uh, which is awesome, but like you said, more of just trying to explore self and find different things you might be interested in and, and you ended up finding yoga and, and strength training. So growing up, um, my mom and a lot of her friends were really into yoga. So it's something I'd been exposed to a lot. Um, and I actually went through a pretty tough couple years in my teenage years, I experienced an eating disorder. I had uh, body dysmorphia, things like that. And so there were a lot of things that I was trying to learn how to cope with emotionally and mentally. And yoga was one of the top physical activities that seemed to also really focus on the mental and emotional attachment aspect. And so that was something that um, I was really drawn to in trying to figure out how to deal with these emotions and these things I was going through, but also try to deal with physical activity and things like that, given that I just didn't really like a lot of other sports or things like that. And then kind of going from there, I took it a little further in going more into self-exploration and more into self-research on not only yoga, but also training once I got into that. And actually I did, uh, right after I turned 18, I did a yoga teacher training to become a certified yoga instructor. So that is where I started my career in fitness and then kind of uh, went from there. 
So did you end up going to uh, college or from straight out of high school? Did you get straight into yoga and then kind of keep building, you know, building on top of that, that foundation and getting more and more into the industry and developing a career that way? Yeah. So I actually don't have a formal college education. I did uh, two years of my high school were regular high school classes. And then I did two years totally self-paced online and the self-paced online. I did graduate a little bit early. And then as soon as I was able to graduate, I pretty much took off to Costa Rica to do my yoga teacher training. And then um, once that was over, I kind of hit the ground running with my own self-research and then went on to enroll in other certifications such as ISSA and NASM and ACE and got multiple other certifications and built upon that. Okay, that's dope. And it's funny that you mentioned Costa Rica because one of the, well, two of the, well, one specifically, but two people who like really inspire me. So, I mean, I'm not as locked in and 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 I'm at the very early process of, of personal training, but I, I got I got my certification like a year or two ago and have been personal training since then. Um, and so obviously I like I love taking in content from different people that inspire me. So I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Holder or Brent, uh, Brendan Collinsworth, but both of them kind of inspired me to like kind of become more interested in yoga and more the mental aspect of it as well. And a lot of times they like go do like yoga trainings in Costa Rica or go back with, they both like work as like Nike trainers or whatever. So they go back over there. Anyways, I just think it's dope. It's one of the, one of the places that I really want to visit just because I've been seeing Costa Rica and, and yoga in the same type of like realm in their Snapchat stories and Instagram stories. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah, yoga is really uh, cool like that, and then it seems to be very much an international exploration. It's all over the world. There's yoga teacher trainings that you can go on these big, elaborate exhibitions and travel across the world, or you can do it right from probably right down the street. All right. So if you, sorry, um, if you uh, if you could go back and and choose like the most besides Costa Rica and you could choose like the most random place in the world to go do a yoga training in what place would you choose I'm sure Costa Rica was beautiful and amazing but just imagine doubling back like what would be another dope place that you would have loved to go visit and 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 learn more about yoga as well at the same time you know that's really kind of a hard question for me to answer um because yo or Costa Rica was amazing but being in a third world country, I actually stayed down in Costa Rica for a while after my teacher training. So I traveled around there too. And being in a third world country alone, especially as a young woman, is very much not a vacation, no matter where you are. It's a lot of a lot of learning experiences, a lot of growing up in a short amount of time. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go down to Costa Rica and just lounge on the beach every day and be fed grapes. Like (laughs) that was not kind of, that's not really the situation when you're down there living as opposed to just a week vacation. So if I were to go somewhere for a yoga teacher training, it's a lot more of like a resort type of thing because you're, you're handed your housing, you're handed your food, that type of thing. So it would be, I would choose probably a very different place than if I were to go back and have the whole Costa Rica experience that I did. Um, if I were to go just on sort of a yoga retreat again, I would probably want to go somewhere, um, somewhere else tropical, but maybe even a little bit more, um, a little bit sunnier, I guess, not as a uh, rainforesty as Costa Rica, even though the rainforest aspect of Costa Rica is beautiful, but maybe like Baja or <laughs> Bali or something like that, um, but if I were to do the whole whole kind of learning experience again, it would be somewhere probably a little bit more first world-ish just because of all of the super challenging aspects and the language barrier and that type of thing that come along with living in a third world country alone and by yourself as a, a young female and traveling across the country and trying to navigate 
just different things that you've never really had to navigate, let alone in a different language with nobody that you know. <laughs> right. I can't. I can imagine how challenging that could be. Except, obviously, I can't imagine the the being a woman part, but I can definitely imagine <laughs> the the other parts. So, um, you had. I don't know if you still do. Do you still do uh, bikini competitions? I was going to ask you how you got involved with those, and then just uh, yeah, I was going to ask you how you got involved with those and see if you're still doing them and and. Yeah, so at this point, I'm I'm undecided what my future looks like as a bikini competitor. Um, And in that, I just mean I'm not 100% sure if I'll ever compete again. The last time that I competed was this past October, the beginning of October. I did my first WBFF show, and I won my pro card. Hey. And that was a great experience, Um, but I'm, I'm not sure at this point. I, I could maybe want to at some point later go on to compete as a pro, but I'm just not sure at this point if I will compete again. Prior to that show, I have done five other shows, I believe. Um, I've done three NPC shows, which is the typical federation that you hear of most people doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done one INBF show which is a totally natural tested federation. None of the NPC shows are tested natural shows. Some of them are advertised as natural shows, but they still don't test anyone or they don't test all athletes. They'll test people at random. So there could very well, and there usually is very well people on stage who are not hundred percent natural, even though they're advertised as natural shows. And then I have done um, one very large bikini show that was at the Olympia Expo in 2017 that was sort of an off, it wasn't really a federation. It was just put on by the the Flex magazine. It was the Flex model search. Uh, So those are, that's a rundown of all the shows I've done. I got into my, I never, ever thought getting into personal training that I would, or getting into training in general, that I would do a show. I always didn't really think it was for me. I wasn't super drawn to the idea even of it, but the, a gym that I worked out of in Oregon called genuine fitness, the owner there who I is a great trainer. I look, have mounds of respect for him, look up to him on a lot of different levels. He is a competitive natural bodybuilder and a lot of the trainers out of his gym do compete in shows, our bodybuilders, bikini competitors, et cetera. He trains a lot of bodybuilders, bikini competitors. And so that was kind of where I was first, really firsthand exposed to that world. And then over time, I sort of warmed up to the idea of maybe doing a show and then seeing all the trainers around me doing it, seeing all the clients around me doing it, um, seeing that I maybe not kind of understanding that world a little bit more and seeing that I maybe would have potential. Uh, they were able to kind of talk me into doing (laughs) my first show. So that's kind of where I started there and then um, just continued on from there. What were some specific uh, challenges and like joys from from, like your time competing? Like, was there a lot of camaraderie? Was there a lot of people you met? Um, Like in terms of the positive side, um, was a lot of networking or yeah. Can you talk a little bit about some positives and, and, quote unquote, negatives or challenges of of competing? Yeah. So I'll start with the positives. Um, So when competing is really an experience that you can't explain to anyone, you can tell people what it's like, but you really have to experience it for yourself to know what people are really going through. And so when you're going through a prep with other people, there is sort of this really strong camaraderie because you know that you are the you guys are the only ones who know what each other is going through. Mm -hmm. So the shows that I've done, uh, they were like shows that were relatively close to where I was living and where I was training out of and things like that. So a lot of the people that trained at our gym would go do those same shows. So we're all essentially kind of quote unquote prepping together, even though we weren't doing the exact same, like exact same protocols, diets, whatever. We were all kind of in it together, had the same show date, that type of thing. So you do build a strong bond and camaraderie with those types of people because they emotionally and mentally kind of know what you're going through on a level that nobody else could ever really understand unless they've done it themselves. Um, Another really great thing is just the people that you meet at the actual shows, the 
people that are backstage, uh, everyone who's kind of on the same wavelength as you, because competitive bodybuilding is a very uh, narrowed in niche in the fitness industry. And not everyone gets it and understands. And that's okay. You don't have to want to do a bodybuilding show or want to be a competitive bodybuilder to be into fitness. That's totally understandable. But when you're able to come around with this large group of people who is interested in it, it's really kind of cool because you all have this common interest and you have stuff to talk about. And you're like, wow, there really is other people who are into this as much as I am. It makes you feel a little bit less alienated. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then just you can gain I think a lot of knowledge and self-confidence and experience just from the whole prepping experience whether you do well or not there's a lot to be learned about yourself a lot to be learned about the ways you should and shouldn't treat yourself a lot to be learned about the ways that you should and shouldn't train maybe in the gym Um, and then a lot to be learned about how you look at yourself so understanding that watching your body go through these changes is really kind of cool, but you can't become too emotionally attached to that because they will change. Your body will change back in the other direction at some point too. Um, and so that's kind of venturing now into some of the negative aspects of competing. And that can be that you start to put a lot of pressure on yourself, um, 24, seven, three, six, five to look a certain way. That's just not realistic. So the way that competitive bodybuilders look when they get on stage, for those of you who don't know, is very much not a sustainable look. So they don't look like that all year. Just because there's this amazing bodybuilder that shows up on stage looking amazing and phenomenal every single time, that does not mean that that's just how they live and that's how they walk around. And so when you see yourself look the leanest and maybe even, in your opinion, the best that you've ever seen yourself look, And then you have to backtrack on that and you have to undo your hard work knowingly. Sometimes that's really hard, not only to knowingly undo your hard work, but to accept yourself again and be proud and confident in your body again, knowing that it's not as lean as it could or has been. And so that's very much an emotional struggle. Uh, And then also, of course, dealing with the emotions that come along with prep and intense dieting and intense exercise. There's a lot of uh, emotional ups and downs and a lot of it's, it's forcing you to be hyper analytical of yourself physically. So always having to look in the mirror and analyze and dissect yourself that can be really damaging on a mental and emotional level. And so you have to learn to have a positive relationship with yourself and have a good support system who understands that and helps you kind of stay level-headed throughout it all in and out of your prep. I love it. So would you say, well, you just said it. So can you speak to the people who are just general population people who are trying to get into fitness, who are trying to, um, it could be anything. They could be trying to gain weight. They could try to lose weight. They could be trying to, uh, you know, develop self-love for themselves. It could be anything. Anybody that's trying to get into the fitness industry and all they keep consuming and thinking of is that they have to be exactly what they see on Instagram, which is, you know, these bodybuilders or these super cut unsustainable, which they don't know. A lot of people don't know, um, like super 2% body fat, 3% body fat. Speak to the people who like, are looking at that as their goal and they're just getting right. started in their fitness process. They haven't even gotten into the gym for the first time. Can you speak to them for a second? Yeah. So imagine taking the very best picture you've ever had taken of yourself or that someone's ever taken of you or that you have ever taken of yourself and showing it to someone who doesn't know you at all, who's never met you and telling them this is what, and imagine that person saying, wow, this, this person's really gorgeous or really beautiful or looks amazing. I want to look like that. And imagine that person going out and trying to look like that all the time on a daily basis. That would not be a very fun way for that person to live because first of all, they're never going to look like you. Second of all, they're trying to 
hold themselves to the standard of that one moment in time 24-7. And so you might, if you were looking at that person from the outside, you might say, hey, honey, I don't even look like that all the time. You don't need to worry about looking like that all the time. Like that was just a snapshot in time. That is essentially fit. That is <laughs> the entire realm of fitness, especially with today's day and age on social media and the rising popularity in bodybuilding shows and physique shows and things like that. People see these snapshots of people's everyday life and they don't even think, oh, I want to take a picture of myself where I look that good. They think I need to look like that all the time, 24 seven, when in reality, that person doesn't even look like that outside of that one moment in time. So really, it's very unrealistic. It's also going to create a lot of problems because right from the get go, you have the wrong intentions. And what I mean by that is you're not coming from a place of, I want to improve myself. You're coming from a place of, I want to be someone else. And so that's not, that's not going to facilitate a very healthy relationship with food or with exercise or with fitness in general, performance, strength, that type of thing. It's going to allow you to be hyper-focused on the way that you look, not on the way that you feel, not on the ways that you're improving your life, not on how you're improving your health, but just on that one aspect of how you look. And going back to tying that in with competitive bodybuilding, a lot of times people look at those people on stage and they're like, wow, they look people who don't know competing and who have never really ventured into that world. They look at those people on stage and they're like, wow, they look so strong and so healthy. I want to do that. I want to be like that when really that when someone steps on stage, if they are in the condition they should be in order to step on stage, that's probably the weakest and the least healthy they have been in years because they are diet dieted down to a level that is just not healthy. You need a certain amount of body fat on you in order to live and function and feel good. And that essential amount of body fat actually does vary a lot from person to person. So understanding that, oh, I want to be as lean as this person all the time. I want to take on a lifestyle that allows me to do that. I want to do their exercise program so that I can be lean like them is very misguided because they may just naturally be a little bit leaner than you are. And so that's something that you really need to consider. There are probably ways that you can engage in a fat loss protocol and lose a little bit of fat without having to look like someone else or having to be like someone else. So I would really try to advise those people to switch their focus from looking like someone else or looking like something else to making daily, weekly, monthly improvements to and seeing how that allows them to unlock their fullest potential and be the best version of themselves as cliche as it does sound. That's fire. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are struggling in the gym, if you plan on going to the gym to to reach a certain goal or you're just facing any type of challenge when it comes to health, wellness, or and especially when it comes to aesthetics, please go back and re-listen to the past four or five minutes of this podcast episode. Um, with that being said, we'll be back in just a few moments to finish off some questions around what um, Kiana's uh, training looks like, to share some tips about uh, training her clients, and, and just to share some more valuable information for you guys. But we'll be back in just a moment. Salud! All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And if for some weird reason you're jumping into this podcast at this exact moment, you just missed out on 35 minutes of fire. So go rewind that and check it out. Um, again, we are here with our guest, Kiana Loomis. Am I saying that correct, by the way? Yes, you are. Okay, perfect. That's why I stuttered a, a second ago because I, I was like, I wonder if I'm saying that right. Um, quick, quick thing to jump into. How'd you get your Instagram name? Nirvana Fit is my Instagram name. Um, it's actually also the name of my business because Nirvana is my middle name. Okay. Uh, and so when I was first starting my business, it was kind of a personal training and yoga hybrid business. Nirvana is a yogic term that's used kind of for a state of eternal bliss. And 
tying that into fitness was kind of the goal initially of my business. And speaking of your business, let's talk about clients. What are what are some pros and cons that come with training or taking on a new client? So say somebody hits you up tomorrow and they're like, yo, I want to train with you really bad. You're like, awesome. Let's get started. Like, what are some awesome things? And then what are some challenging things when you're taking on a client and it's like the first first month with a new client? Yeah. So start off with the awesome. I love getting new clients because they usually are very at this point of high motivation. They have, um, they're excited. They want to listen to you. They want to delve into this journey of health or fitness or physique or whatever reason they have for hiring you as a trainer. They're excited and they're motivated and it's fun to feed off of that energy and it's fun to lead people down the right path when they are in that mindset. Something that can be challenging uh, is just learning that person. The, the first couple weeks or couple months that you work with someone, there are a lot of things that you need to learn about them still. Everyone responds to things differently. And I think people very much underestimate this in fitness, but everyone genetically has a different makeup. Something works a little bit different for everyone, not only physically, but also how people cope mentally, emotionally, things like that. So there are some protocols that will be very successful for some people and be a complete failure for other people. So you can't really just say, okay, this is what I always do. So this is what I'm going to do for this client because it might not work that exact way for that client. There are some overarching principles that you should probably continue to follow based on evidence and research and things like that. That can be a very good guidance way as to how to efficiently train your clients, but it can't tell you the step-by-step process. That's something that you need to know more about that person in order to be able to really tune in on and be able to really help them to bridge the gap between theoretically what works and what they're going to have to do to get the results that they want to see. I love that. I love that. Um, What are some diet or training myths that you have to break when you first take a client on? You know how there's many clients who learn, oh, well, I heard that this is bad if you do this, or I heard that if you do squats, your knees are going to break, or I heard, you know, that's obviously extreme, but, um, (laughs) but like, what are some, some, and it doesn't even have to be with your your clients in general, but what are some diet and training myths that you generally just want to break for people who are just getting into or learning about, you know, wellness? Oh, there's so, so many out there. Um, and that's part of the thing that I'm always, always fighting to do. I'm always fighting to provide educational content that's based on research and evidence to people uh, to help break those or debunk those myths. Um, but I'll just start off with an example. A very common one um, is people's fear of carbs and the idea that carbs make you fat, carbs in and of themselves. That's very much not true. Uh, Carbs have calories, just like fat has calories, just like protein has calories. An overconsumption of calories will lead to additional weight gain. An overconsumption of, there's really no such thing as an overconsumption of carbs if you're not over-consuming calories. So it's more about the balance calories in versus calories out as overplayed as that is. That really is what it comes down to at the bare bones level when it comes to weight loss. Now, some people, and this is going back to referring to individual variances and things like that, do respond better to a little bit higher or a little bit lower carb intakes within their calorie range. And what I mean by respond better isn't that they will lose more weight or they will lose more body fat. It's just that they might feel better. They might have less cravings. They might be able to adhere to a calorie deficit better with different splits of carbs and fats. But the actual difference in split between carbs, fats, and proteins makes very, very minimal difference for the general population when it comes to fat loss or um, body composition or things like that. So carbs in and of themselves will not ever make you fat. It is the overconsumption of carbs to the point that you're overconsuming calories that will make you fat because carbs do contain calories. 
Facts. Facts. Another one, um, gosh, like I said, there are so, so many, but another one is uh, that women should not lift weights or women do not need to engage in strength training. They should do purely cardio based or hit or circuit types of routines and they shouldn't focus on getting stronger or focus on lifting weight or be in the weight room at all, really. And that's very misguided. Uh, Part of the reason for that is like I was just saying, weight loss really does come down to calories in versus calories out. So the best way to control for that is going to be through nutrition, not through exercise, because exercise does not burn nearly as many calories as people think that it does, even cardio exercise. Now, the second reason for that is that even if you're staying at the same body weight, if you are gaining muscle and gaining strength, you're going to look better. You're going to be more shapely. You're going to have less body fat because if you weigh the same, but you have more muscle, there's no choice but for your body to take off some body fat in order for you to weigh the same amount. So really, if you want if you're going to engage in strength training, but you're afraid of bulking up or getting too big, you just need to be making sure that you're controlling for your calorie intake because you won't ever be able to get bigger if you're in a calorie deficit, whether that's from muscle or from fat. But from getting stronger, you will get more shapely. You're, you will have more muscle tone because you'll have more muscle in general and you'll be able to have less body fat because as you diet down and you're in a calorie deficit, The best way to make sure that you're losing body fat and not muscle is to signal your body to hang on to all the muscle that you have and or build more muscle, which will ensure that the weight that you're losing comes from fat and not muscle. Because little known fact, if you are in a calorie deficit, body fat will not be the first thing that your body naturally wants to shed. It will be lean tissue, which is muscle and water weight. So you have to give it a reason to shed the body fat versus shedding the muscle. And that reason would be to engage in resistance training and getting stronger. And I'm glad that you spoke on that because I think that's one of the most, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, 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 of myths like we, like we were talking about and things that need to be debunked that really hurt the, you know, that really hurt people in general because it scares them to get into weight training or, or it pushes them towards a specific type of training that ends up hurting them in the long run. So I think it's important that you dropped on that, but also besides the, the like, and outside of the aesthetics part of that, just building strength in general and having a solid foundation of strength is going to help you so much just throughout life in general on whether it's just moving, whether it's how, your body reacts to certain foods, whether it's how you sleep or there's just, there's thousands of reasons why strength training uh, can just be a positive add into your life, whether you're trying to build or, you know, whether you're trying to improve aesthetics or not, it's just a beautiful thing to, to, to have, you know, as a, what I uh, presume as, or what I consider a necessary component of just living a good life. I absolutely agree. And, um, Gaining strength is actually going to not only benefit your physique, but your overall fitness level a lot more so than just performing cardio because it's a lot, um, it touches into a lot of areas and it's going to make you more stable and just stronger in general throughout your daily life. Actually tying that back to the little tidbit about carbs, having more muscle and uh, less body fat actually does increase your ability to digest and, uh, uptake carbs. So you may be able to handle a little bit more carbs. If you are more, if you have more muscle on your frame or you're engaging in more resistance training. I love it. I love it. We're, we're, we're touching on, on things, simple, but major things that people, especially people just getting into fitness or people who have been in it in a while and just haven't been, you know, <laughs> consuming right. the good information um, that that's, that's necessary for them to hear. I just want to touch on two more things before we hop off. Um, what are, I mean, you talked about at the beginning of this episode about you had um, struggle with the eating disorder for 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 those young men and young women who are facing that challenge right now in life, what is some, um, I mean, advice or um, actions or suggestions you have for them in order to, um, yeah, like navigate them themselves through that challenge? 
So I'm, I want to preface this by saying I'm not a therapist. I'm not in any way qualified to, uh, be giving necessarily advice or, um, prescription I'll say on this very topic, but I can give some words of wisdom and things that may be worth considering. Uh, the first and foremost being just get out of your body a little bit. And that sounds really weird, especially coming from someone who's a fitness professional. But a lot of times the inability to break away from that cycle is very much tied to the obsession with how you feel about your body, right? So if you can somehow find something else to focus on or find a way to take your every single thought away from how big or small you feel in your body and focus on something more external, then that can be really helpful. So you should have maybe some other goals that have nothing to do with your body and the way that you look and something else to focus on. Another thing is get uncomfortable because it's going to be uncomfortable to get through this. You're not going to be able to get to the other side without reaching some areas that are really tough and really just you don't want to be in. Very uncomfortable. But you have to live there in order to get past it. Um, And also just try to picture why you want to get past it. What could your life be like? If you were over this hurdle in two years, in five years, in 10 years, what could you achieve? What could you accomplish if you were to get through this? And that should be what you come back to every single time that you struggle to want to go back to your old habits or engage in unhealthy habits that are knowingly unhealthy. Ask yourself, is this helping me move towards that goal of that person I could be or want to be in two years, five years, 10 years? Or is it keeping me in the same place that I am so that in two years, five years, 10 years, I'm going to be in this exact same spot, still running circles around my own head? Ask yourself that question every single day, multiple times a day. I love it. Yo, I I just want to praise you for your ability to communicate extremely efficiently (laughs) and effectively. (laughs) That might be, you know, you know, a a side, you know, talent you picked up from training, but I think it's not. I think it's just something natural to you because you're really, really good at communicating directly, like direct to the point and making it easy for anybody to understand. So I just wanted to praise you for that before I ask this last question. Um, what advice? What advice? Well, I was oh, sorry, gonna go say, sorry. I will say that that uh, I think in order to be an efficient coach, you have to be able to learn from and build upon or master communication, because that is at least 50% of the coaching process is just communicating with people and taking them through why they're doing what they're doing and how it's going to help them instead of just stating scientific facts to them. That, that means very little to most people. (laughs) Facts, facts. And, and quick, quick tidbit on that for, for first and foremost, just having experience and, and really just getting in the trenches and working with clients is going to be probably the number one best way to improve that. But just for anybody out there that loves reading, uh, Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew is a good book on that. Um, it's not really sp- specified for for like personal trainers or for for any thing else besides sports performance but i think it, it kind of i mean he 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 applies the concepts he shares to other fields as well and i think you can take the insight so yeah anyways for anybody listening right now that's a coach or just is in a leadership position i think that's a great book to to read and then also just consider um re-listening to this podcast so you can take some tips from how uh kiana speaking <laughs> um, and don't forget about the science too that's important facts, too but you facts. need to learn how to communicate that science in a, in a in a super easy way so they can so they can catch it cuz I know when I was 14 and people were trying to speak I'm not saying that it has to be a 14 year old but anybody who's just not super interested in it or hasn't had time right. to get versed in it is not going to know what the hell you're talking about when you're talking about progressive overload or when you're talking about the importance of whatever yeah they're not going to know what you're talking about they're not going to know right. energy your systems pathways or your VO2 max exactly. that, that goes way over <laughs> facts um so what advice can you give to young lifters or not, you know, people who are getting in the gym, I want to say young lifters, but anybody who's uh, about to start strength training, um, what advice can you give them that could 
potentially save them some time? It doesn't, obviously there's a lot of things you could give, but what is something that comes to the top of your head that you could um, give to, you know, female or male person that's just getting in the gym and is considering strength training? Uh, first of all, don't be a card puncher. I use this term a lot. And what I mean by that is don't just go in the gym to say you got a workout done, mm-hmm. have a plan, have progressions scheduled, try to be getting better from week to week and month to month so that you can make sure you're actually going somewhere with your training. The people who are most successful in training, not only strength and physique wise, but also just longevity wise are the people that are going into the gym with goals, not saying, Oh, I want to be 10 pounds lighter. I want to have this much muscle, but actual specific strength goals. So trying or specific performance goals. So trying to get better from week to week, engaging in progressive overload, making sure that you have a program set up that you can follow something that's a little bit methodical. It doesn't have to be, Oh, I'm doing this exact same thing on Mondays, every single week, exact same thing on Tuesday, every single week, just over time, make sure that you're somehow getting better and somehow getting stronger or progressing in some way. Love it. In just a few sentences, if you were to talk to a young female entrepreneur right now that's interested in starting her own business, what are some, what are like three sentences you would say to her? Pieces of advice. The first, focus on the business, not the money. So focus on the product and the quality of what you're delivering, not the quantity and the income of what you want to see. The, the latter will come when the former comes. That's really the, the base thing that I would say to any entrepreneur. I love it. Again, Thank you guys for listening. If you listen to this full podcast, we really appreciate you. Thank you, Kiana, for agreeing to come on this podcast and sharing all these valuable gems and information for the folks out there listening. Um, Before we go, can you share with them where they can find you on social media? And if you have open positions for online coaching, what email can they reach out to you at? Yeah, so like we mentioned before, my Instagram is NirvanaFit. You can also find me, my website is www nirvanafittraining.com. And I do have a limited number of spots available for online clients. Even those of you who are working out at home right now during this pandemic with limited equipment, or maybe some of you do have access to a more full-scale home gym. I can do either or. Beautiful. Again, thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This is the Culture Talks and we are out.